Hi, lovely. Welcome to Bloom Birth Stories. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Kate. I'm a devoted mama of three, passionate breastfeeder and doula, and I absolutely adore listening to women share their sacred birth stories. This is a loving space just for that. Each week, I'll be chatting to women across Australia as they share their unique, very special journey to baby. I hope you enjoy. This week, I'm joined by a very inspiring mother. Tiani is here to share her story, a very important story. She was diagnosed with cervical cancer about halfway through her pregnancy and hopes that by sharing, she's able to reach other mothers in a similar situation to her. Lots of love to all. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Tiani, thank you so much for joining me. I've been really looking forward to connect and having a chat. Thank you so much for having me. Would you like to start by introducing yourself and sharing who's in your family? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name's Tiani, I'm married to my husband, Simon, and we've got um, Harry is our six-month-old. He turned six months yesterday. So um, big boy. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And yeah, and we've got... Um, Little Dashound, sorry, Charlotte. I better not forget her. <laughs> yes, the little fur babies. <laughs> yes. Um, now, I know that you have quite um, a, an important and delicate story to share with us tonight, and I just wanted to thank you in advance for your willingness to share and um, mm-hmm. your openness and vulnerability. I'm just going to um, let you take the lead, and I'll be here if you need me. So would you like okay. to start us from the very beginning when Harry was conceived was that something that was on the horizon or planned uh yeah absolutely um planned we had only sort of just gotten married and um we only tried for three months so we were actually really lucky in that regard um like obviously I went through the highs and lows of you know getting my period and being upset and sort of thinking oh maybe next time um but yeah three months and and um yeah we were good to go so that was super exciting mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and we were sort of oh sorry you know you go <laughs> how, how are you feeling at that time did you have any um morning sickness or anything of that kind um yeah the first sign was um tender breasts I had actually like I just went to the GP for a skin check and I said to her, oh, my boobs are really sore when she got me to lay on my belly to, like, you know, do the skin check on my back. And she was like, well, you'll be back here in a week. And I was like, oh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> and so I, I took a test, I think, like the next day. And I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. So I was back in her office within a week. And she just mm. laughed as soon as I walked in. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I got nauseous, like, straight away. Um, and I, I never actually vomited, like, the entire pregnancy, which – Thank God. But, yeah, I was nauseous the entire time. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think I didn't really have anything else other than that, like obviously some food aversions, um, Keen's curry powder. I will never eat again in my life. Just the smell of it just makes me want to hurl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I loved curry and Thai and Indian food, so I'm pretty devastated about that. But, yeah, it's all oh. good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the smells. Oh, yeah, the smells. (laughs) And what was your uh, choice of care? Were you birthing um, at a public or private hospital? Um, So Mackay's pretty sort of black and white. There's only kind of 
two options basically we've got one private hospital one public hospital um and one like birth center um and i i did really want to go through the birth center which um they have the option of doing like a water birth and i thought oh that would be amazing um but being our first one my husband and i were pretty nervous so we in the end decided to go with a private obstetrician um which was lucky in the end because that sort of you know with what happened um kind of meant I was private through the whole thing um which was yeah it was a good choice in the end but you know had I had my chance again I would have loved to do a water birth um but yeah it's all good mm-hmm. yeah so talk us through um your pregnancy care and your appointments mm-hmm. um and your your health throughout that time tell us the story. yeah so um so with like choosing to go private, obviously I had quite a lot of appointments um, with my obstetrician um, pretty much every, say, fortnight. And um, if it wasn't her, it was one of her midwives. So it was kind of pretty much every two weeks seeing someone, which I really loved um, being, you know, first pregnancy. I was I was terrified. I was, you know, every single sign and symptom of something going weird or wrong in my body I was like oh my god I'm having a miscarriage you know (laughs) um and I did have quite a lot of bleeding as well in those first um few weeks so I think from maybe 10 weeks I had a big bleed and then so I went to emergency probably three times um up until my 20 week scan with bleeds at various stages and blood clots too so it was yeah it was terrifying the whole sort of time Mm. yeah what were they saying to you when you presented bleeding? Um, so they found like a hematoma on I think my uterus. So they could see like the, I think it's like a big bruise essentially on your uterus, which can bleed. So um, that was present. Um, however, in hindsight, it probably wasn't that that was causing the bleeding. Um, and then I um, had a low-lying placenta at one stage. So they thought, oh, maybe it's from that. Um, I mean, I wasn't doing any heavy lifting or anything. I was being very cautious of all that. So it was fairly unexplained. And then they did um, have me overnight in the Mackay Hospital for monitoring at one stage. And I was given some tablets called, I think, tranexamic acid, which stops bleeding. Like it's used for, I think, trauma patients um, when they present to like emergency. And it's also used for heavy periods. Um, I've since found out. So yeah, the bleeding did stop when I was on those tablets, um, but then obviously kept coming back. So yeah, it was pretty traumatizing each time. And um, every time I had a bleed as well, my husband happened to be out at work and he works three hours away. So I every single time went up to emergency, either on my own or I took a family member. So yeah, that was tough not having him there. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And at what point did this journey take a little bit of a different course? So I had my 20 week scan um, booked in, which is like, you know, the big one, I think they refer to it as a morphology scan where, um, you know, they have a really good look at bub. And so we were really excited about that because all my friends who, you know, had babies before were like, oh, that's a great scan. You see so much, you know, you so we were really excited and um, we went in and, you know, they did the regular ultrasound like on your belly and then they said, oh, can we do an internal ultrasound? And I said yes because I'd already had two prior in the pregnancy so, I, you know, it wasn't a worry for me. 
Um, but she started using the wand or whatever you call it for an internal ultrasound and I started bleeding quite heavily um, on the table and I could tell that the sonographer was quite rattled by something and I just thought it was the bleeding. Turns out she'd actually seen a mass in my cervix, um, which she obviously couldn't tell me that at the time. She had to send the results to my obstetrician. Um, but, yeah, she'd seen a mass in my cervix and took measurements, et cetera, um, sent the results to my obstetrician and I got called in I think like, you know, three days later because it was over a weekend this happened. Um, so I rocked, rocked up to the obstetrician on the Monday um, and I walked in. As, as soon as I walked in I knew something was off because there was like another lady in the office with her and I was like, oh, that's weird. There's no, never been anyone, you know, here before. And I sort of thought, oh, God, they're going to tell me um, something's really drastically wrong with Barb. Maybe I need to terminate or something. I thought it might have been a support person of some sort. Anyway, um, as soon as I walked in, obstetrician said, um, look, you know, the sonographer saw a mass in your cervix. I need to have a look and take a biopsy. And I was like, whoa, what? Like total shock because, you know, they hadn't said anything to me. And um, so it was kind of just on autopilot. I got up onto her bed. She, um, <clears throat> you know, put gloves on. I uh, had a look up there and I could feel like blood trickling down my legs the whole time. It was just horrible. I was just staring at the, you know, the ceiling being like, what the hell's happening? And she was hopeful that it was just um, like a fibroid, I think she said. she like, So she took a, like a one centimetre um, by one centimetre like chunk to send away um, and she said, oh, like hopefully it's just a fibroid. Don't, you know, get yourself worried just yet. So um, anyway, of course I went home and Googled everything under the sun, um, which is the worst thing you can do. And took four days to get the results, even though they were put on like an urgent request. So it was just a nightmare waiting those four days. And then we, it was like Friday by then we um, went in and um, she said, oh, the results have come back as a suspected carcinoma. Um, so basically suspected cervical cancer. And that was when just, yeah, our world just totally flipped and yeah, life went a little crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so I could feel my husband, like, just crumble beside me. Like, he was just a total mess, whereas I went into survival mode straight away. I just didn't even take a second to even, like, no emotions. I was just like, okay, what do we do? What What's next? I was just like, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And, and what was the plan for you and for Harry? What, what were the options? Yeah, so um, basically obstetrician was like um, you need to go for an MRI straight away. So she booked me in that afternoon. Um, I had to go get blood tests straight away and she said she'd referred me down to a specialist in Brisbane who was like a gynae oncologist <clears throat> and she said you'll be down there next week to meet with him. He's going to meet with his, um, they call it like an MDT meeting, which is a multidisciplinary team meeting, um, which they have once a week with all the oncology um, specialists and they just discuss, I guess, you know, the week's cases. So all the results basically went straight down to Brisbane. Um, so we, we, we were down there a week later and I went into this um, guy's office and he had a visual exam as well and he was pretty much like as soon as he saw it, uh, he was like, yeah, that's cancer. Um, and, yeah, it was just so surreal. Like 
he just knew straight away, like he had, you know, they had the biopsy results. They'd done an MRI. They had a visual look. Um, they'd all discussed it as a group. And um, he was basically like, we, he sort of said to us in a roundabout way, are you open, open to terminating the pregnancy? And by then I was like 21 weeks and I was like, hell no, like you, you wouldn't get me off the floor. I'd be so gutted. Um, so he was basically like, okay, well, that's fine. I'm going to refer you to a chemotherapy oncologist, um, and you'll see her in a couple of days. So, um, yeah, we were referred to this lady called Dr. Kath Shannon at the, she's at the Brisbane Martyr and she, um, deals with a lot of women who are pregnant and going through cancer. So I was, I was actually her seventh patient last year, which is crazy. Um, all the rest of them had yeah, they all had breast cancer except me, which was cervical. But, um, yeah, just crazy to know that there was that many pregnant women going through cancer treatment. Yeah. Oh, my god, Just insane. It's, it's not like I had no idea you could do chemotherapy while pregnant. Like it was just totally a shock to us. Like we were just like, holy hell, is this even real? <laughs> yeah. And Yeah, so, um, yeah, we went, we met with her, um, and she basically talked us through everything. Um, so my plan was to be uh, chemo every three weeks, um, so one round every three weeks until we could deliver Harry safely. So their original goal was to get me to at least 28 weeks gestation um, and it kind of kept shifting the goalposts. Like as it got closer, they were like, you know what, let's push this out to 30 or 32 weeks and I was like yeah that's great like you know um obviously the older the better for Harry um so after so I did three rounds of chemo and um you know obviously terrified the first time like just cried and cried and cried when the needles went in we just thought we're poisoning our baby you know how can we survive this um and like I lost my hair within two weeks of that first round of chemo like it, it was just so toxic so I you know I was just so scared about how that would affect Harry um yeah and then got to about 30 weeks and they said okay we're going to deliver at 32 and we were like oh my god wow this is happening so yeah we only got two weeks notice really before we had him but yeah he's obviously here to tell the tale so it went really well the birth um yeah we had yeah, you go. Mm-hmm. Sorry, did you relocate for this all of this treatment? Oh, Sorry. yeah, yeah. We um yeah, we had to move to Brisbane. So we moved to the Ronald McDonald house, um, which is uh right near the hospital. So we literally just walked everywhere. Um we had like the NICU was right near us, the mother's hospital where I got chemo, where I got radiation. Um all the times I ended up in emergency, the private hospital was right there. So it was all really close, which was brilliant. Um, and, like, oh, Ronald McDonald's a fantastic facility. Um, by the end of our stay, we were dying to get out, though, because it was just kind of like a small hotel room and we had no fresh air, like no window that opened, no balcony. Um, this tiny little room, we lived there for three months and then we later moved to a little apartment um, for the remaining two months. So, yeah, five months in total in Brisbane. Um, Yeah, which that was so hard. Like my whole family's in Mackay, so I was away from basically my whole support network except my husband. Um, His family lived in Brisbane, which was really great. Um, His parents and sister 
and little niece. So um, we had some people, but, yeah, I felt pretty sort of alone without my family. And your mindset leading up to his birth and with everything that was going on, what fears were coming up for you at that time or were you just so focused and determined and just pushing? (laughs) Yeah, uh, strange. Like I was... Like, obviously, I was absolutely terrified the entire time, but in a weird way, I felt like a stronger person while I was pregnant versus, like, when I was going through treatment after I had had him. I kind of was like, I got, I have got to be this super mum right now when I'm pregnant. Like, I'm just, I'm just fighting to keep this baby alive. You know, it was like he was my driving force, basically, um, <clears throat> and... Uh, we had like heaps of prep as well for like ahead of the birth. We got private sessions on what to expect from a cesarean, um, what to expect from a premier baby, what to expect in the NICU. So like we couldn't have been more prepared in that sense. Um, even though we were still obviously terrified and, you know, it was totally unknown. We, yeah, we were really prepared. So when the day finally came, we were kind of like, okay, you know, we know exactly what's going to happen. And um it was a wonderful day. It was it was really beautiful. So yeah, tell tell us about it. Were you excited? Yeah, I was. We we were you know obviously scared, excited, just everything. We were just yeah, we could not wait to meet him. Um, and it was like a morning procedure, so I think maybe like eleven a.m. I was, um, you know, walking into the theatre. Um, obviously it's not like a a nice dark sort of setting with candles and music and everything you know a planned cesarean's very bright and um you know there was like 15 people there and but like I didn't even notice that honestly it was just I was just so focused um and you know I got up on the bed obviously got given the spinal epidural and um straight away you know numb completely and um and then I think he was out within like 15 minutes. Like it's just so quick. Um, but that moment that they, you know, rose him up like Lion King style <laughs> was just like epic. And like there's photos of, you know, obviously me and Simon, like nurses took photos and we're both just grinning our heads off, like crying. It was, yeah, it was so cool. And no one really knew whether he'd be able to breathe on his own. Um, so the resus team were like, you know, on standby in case he needed um, help or whatever, um, but he came out screaming, so we were really happy about oh. that. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. I mean, I'd been given steroids um, two days prior just to sort of boost his um, his lungs, so um, he got a little help in that regard. Um, but it was also really scary because I think maybe four days prior I'd had an ultrasound and um, they were like, oh, we think there might be a hole in his heart. Um, Because they could see on the scan, like, just, um, I don't know, the veins, the blood flow in the veins of the heart was kind of a bit funny. So we were like, oh, my God, like, another setback. You know, we were so scared. But they listened to it, um, his heart, when he was born, and they couldn't hear a murmur. So they, and, like, since then he's had no issues either. So they think the whole just kind of resolved itself, um, which is good. But, yeah, that was pretty scary too. And after he was born, uh, was he um, whisked off to the NICU? Yeah. So I um, I think so the, the resource team took him into um, like a little cult, like a cooler room near the theatre 
um, oh, no, sorry, a warmer room. <laughs> um, and Simon was able to help cut like the cord and um, he did get, uh, was it called a CPAP machine put on him straight away. Um, yeah, and he went to the NICU. I didn't get a hold that day, unfortunately, because um, he was in like his little, you know, intubated tub or whatever you call it. Mm. Um, but they, like, I went to recovery after my cesarean and then they wheeled me through the NICU um, on the way up to like the maternity ward. So I got to see him um, and we just sort of laid in the bed there together and just looked at him for a while and, yeah, it was so cool, absolutely beautiful. Um, but, you know, obviously the NICU is is a terrifying place. Like it's it's an amazing place but it's, yeah, it's pretty scary. Um, he was really um, lucky though because, you know, everyone it was planned like everyone else who ends up there is it's totally unplanned like the the families are just like you know in a real state of shock whereas we were like yeah this is where we're gonna be like we know we knew it was coming I guess so um yeah that was yeah it wasn't as scary for us I guess in that sense yes my little girl one of my twins she was just in the special care for a night or two okay Mm. And um, obviously, totally, totally different circumstance. But just the atmosphere in there is like mm. nothing else. Um, oh, it's it. yeah, tense. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, how long was he in the NICU for? Um, so he did three nights in the NICU and then three weeks in special care. So, um, yeah, he got, I think they, um, they call it graduating to the pig farm. (laughs) So basically they're just trying to fatten them up in special care so they can leave. (laughs) Yeah. So so, no other concerns aside from just getting a little bit chubby. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Like he was just perfectly fine. And he was a really good weight actually for 32 weeks. He was like 2.3 kilos, which um, everyone kept saying, oh, he's big, he's fine, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he obviously dropped to like two kilos, I think, um, lost a little bit. But, yeah, he um, and we got given donor milk. So that's another thing because I was going through chemo. They were like, oh, look, you probably don't want to be breastfeeding. Um, just in case, you know, you don't want to be passing on any of those toxins. Um, so yeah, we got given donor milk for his first two weeks and that was like tube fed to him in like a little gravity tube. And then, um, they encouraged us to start trying to bottle feed him. Um, and it was a transition to formula as well. So at like 34 weeks, he learned to bottle feed, which was really cool. Um, tiniest little bottles. Um, it was like, maybe like, 30 mil per feed like just <laughs> so small um but yeah like he learned bottle feed. Bottles, they? <laughs> oh they are they're gorgeous <laughs> yeah I've so we were really proud of him mm-hmm. oh have you yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah we've yeah. got a few souvenirs from our time too <laughs> <laughs> oh what a superstar little harry yeah awesome. yeah we were really stoked um and like at 35 weeks they were like Harry's ready to leave and we were like sorry what like we thought he'd be in there until at least you know 37 um we had nothing like because we were staying at Ronald McDonald we literally had we didn't have a cot we didn't have like a bounce so we had just no we had no clothes nothing like (laughs) so it was like a mad scramble then to get everything um my family my family had bought a million like 
clothing items, but they were all in Mackay. So they shipped them up to Brisbane, uh, down to Brisbane, I should say. Um, and, yeah, it was just a mad panic. <laughs> but, yeah, we got there in the end. Yeah. Wow. And so yeah. for your treatment, were you having a break um, since birthing Harry and then to commencing? Were you doing, was the plan chemo and radiation? after birth yeah yeah so I could only have chemo while pregnant um so I did three rounds of that and that was a uh, like one type of drug um and that the goal of that drug was basically just to stall the tumor and give Harry I guess like buy us more time to grow him um <clears throat> so it didn't actually really work that drug like it it didn't like it didn't shrink the tumor at all it didn't make it grow anymore either though so I guess in that sense it was good it just kind of kept it at bay um so then I had a four-week break after I had him before I commenced on like a new type of chemo drug and that was in combination yeah with radiation so yeah four-week break which that was like the best four weeks ever we just visited him like every single day um you know spent hours doing the kangaroo cuddles um with him and yeah, it was really lovely those few weeks. But obviously leading up to me starting treatment again, I started getting, you know, really anxious and about how that was all going to go and it was, it was pretty crap, I won't lie. Um, yeah, it was. I did 28 days straight of radiation and um, another five rounds of chemo. Uh, and then I did, after all that, um, something called brachytherapy, which is like an internal radiation. So... Yeah, it was like another few weeks of yeah, it was it was hell. But um we had little Harry, so that was, you know. <laughs> yeah. You're shining. Yeah, a bit of a blessing. Like- yeah, silver lining for sure. Mm. All of that treatment, um, what was the time frame that, that was within? Um so first three rounds of chemo was over nine weeks. Then I had him, four week break. And then another basically six weeks of treatment. So kind of like probably four to five months in total. Um, yeah, it was. Um, and like every single time I had chemo, I ended up in emergency with reactions like of high temperature, fevers, chills. Um, so I'd spend like multiple nights in emergency. Oh, sorry. Well, one overnight in emergency before they admitted me to the oncology ward. And then I'd spend multiple nights up there. They'd test me for every sort of infection under the sun. Nothing ever came back except one time I actually did have COVID. So that was, no. you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> COVID um, while pregnant, while having chemo was, yeah, I was a bit touch and go that week. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, yeah. That was really scary. I got given some sort of um, infusion to prevent like serious onset of COVID. So to be honest, I didn't actually get very sick. I did spend like an entire week in an isolation ward. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't really get that sick. Thank God. But yeah, mm. it was scary. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine. And yeah. Then, um, gosh. And, and then going through postpartum as well and all of those hormones. Oh yeah. It was, yeah, it was insane. Like I I definitely had some really, really low sort of dark periods. Um, like because yeah, Harry got released to us at 35 weeks. So he was just tiny and like, you know, we were like, what on earth do we do? Like first-time parents. Um, 
you know, we're dragging him to from hospital to hospital. Like I had weekly chemo and that's like an eight-hour day. So he would sleep on my chest pretty much the whole time, like, you know, in between feeds because, you know, that's all they do at that age. They're just so sleepy. Um, and that was really beautiful. Like there was no risk to him of, you know, the chemo drugs or anything. Um so, yeah, he slept on my chest. Um, we'd take him to radiation and my husband would just sort of look after him while I did that. Um, and then I started to get really sick from all that treatment. Um, about three weeks in, I ended up in hospital for um, like seven nights. So my husband was looking after Harry around the clock, like, you know, doing all the feeds. like, And he was feeding like, you know, every two to three hours. Um, so my husband was doing that on his own um, and he was, yeah, he was exhausted, the poor thing. <laughs> Total legend though. <laughs> mm, yeah. So yeah. he was obviously off work for the majority of this time. Yeah, yeah. He, um, seven months off in total because he only just went back um, 1st of January. So, yeah, it was amazing. Like in that sense, we're so lucky. Like not many husbands get that much time with their newborn um in fact he bonded sort of way more with Harry in those initial weeks just purely because I was so sick um I was so exhausted all the time I pretty much spent you know most of my days in bed like I'd come out and help Simon um when I could like I might you know I did a little bit of like um laundry for him or like I might wash up some dishes I tried to do like two of the feeds a day just so I wasn't you know, because at, at one point I felt like really behind, like I didn't know how to even handle Harry or feed him anymore because I just was, you know, Simon was doing it all. Um, and now obviously the tables have turned, like Simon's back at work. He, he works like sort of like a, a six and six roster. So it's, it's pretty much me most of the time. Um, but, yeah, those first few weeks were really, really tough. Um, it was, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable, but yeah, yeah, I'm here to tell the the story. Mm. And yeah, where are you at now in regards to your treatment? How are you feeling physically and emotionally now? Yeah, um, so finished up treatment in November, um, and we we flew home like literally two days after we I'd finished. I was just like, I'm out of here, I'm done. Mm. <laughs> so mentally, you know, drained. We we just wanted to get home. We were so sick of living away from home. Um, so, yeah, we got home, had this amazing homecoming. My family had, like, done up the nursery so beautifully and, um, yeah, it was incredible. And um, so basically since coming home I've been doing all sorts of rehab um, in terms of like I do Pilates and physio because um, I've, I've, my body is in a lot of pain after all that treatment. Um, for example, I, I was so weak towards the end. I could barely even get up off the couch um, or like bend over or sort of, you know, do anything really, um, especially around my pelvis, like the radiation really sort of like my muscles are all very sore and my bones and everything aches all my joints. And um, I actually started going into early menopause because basically the radiation has killed my ovaries. So um, that's another thing that we had to, I guess, accept that we won't be able to have any more children because of that. Um, so at the time we were like, that's fine. You know, one baby's enough. One, You know, um, now I'm kind of like, 
sort of starting to really mourn that, like just, you know, not having that chance to have that beautiful um, newborn experience where I'm feeling healthy and um, I guess I'm also sad for Harry that he's not going to have any siblings. Um, so, yeah, that's been that's been a hard one to swallow. Um, but, yeah, so I started going into early menopause because of the ovary damage, so they put me on contraceptive pill to counteract that, so that really helped. Um, so I'm getting those, I guess, hormones that I wasn't getting. Um, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> you don't realise how much of a toll it all takes on your body. It's crazy. Yeah, and tending to your mental health, I'm sure that's uh, been a massive thing. Do you um, see a counsellor or a psychologist or anything? Yeah, both actually. Um, so I saw a psychologist the entire time in Brisbane, which um, I 100% needed, and she worked at the hospital. So she saw a lot of um, sick people, like, you know, not just cancer. Um, so that was really helpful. Um, and then, yeah, as soon as I got home to Mackay, I connected with another psychologist here and I also see a counsellor at um, we've got a wonderful foundation here in Mackay called the Trudy Crowley Foundation and they they um, originally started to support women with ovarian cancer but they've um, expanded and they now basically um, support all everyone, all types of cancer, families and um partners as well so they're really wonderful um and they also meet fortnightly so um I haven't been to one of the meetings yet but I'm planning to go next week and hopefully uh yeah connect with some other women um because that's been the, the hardest thing and, and particularly why I wanted to do um the podcast as well because when I got diagnosed I was searching high and low um just yeah for podcast information on on women who'd gone through something similar and there was just nothing and I felt so lonely and scared and I'm like just googling you know everything under the sun and no real support so um if this can help someone going through a similar journey then yeah I'd be stoked yeah I'm sure I'm sure it really will I Mm. have another question Mm -hmm. um how can a friend um support you what do you need oh wow that's hard (laughs) (laughs) Or what would you, yeah. Um, yeah, what do you need from a friend right now? Just emotional support? Um, how are you feeling? Um, I think, like, honestly, like just the typical newborn stuff that a mum would need, like um, a hot meal. Like I had a friend bring over two lasagnas when we got home um, from Brisbane and that was phenomenal. Like we just... I've only got one child and we feel like we have no time whatsoever. I do not know how you do three. (laughs) Like it must just be insane. Um, So honestly, like just those simple things, like come over and look after Bub while we cook a meal or, you know, just, yeah. But I guess from the cancer side of things, um, I think everyone's different. Like I'm someone who I like to talk about it. I need to talk about it to process it, whereas other people probably don't want their friends to bring it up because it, it brings up too much trauma for them. So I think it's really personal. Um, but, yeah, for me, I I don't like, like, hiding it. Like, it feels like a big elephant in the room to me. Like, it's regard, like it's always on my mind anyway. Like, no matter what situation I'm in right now, I'm always thinking about it. So to not talk about it feels strange to me. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. It's therapeutic to connect and talk and, you know, just, just let it out, I think. Yeah, absolutely. 
So because I've, I've had some friends, you know, I'll, for instance, be going over and and they'll warn their parents like don't ask them, don't ask her any questions and I'm like no no I'm I'm more than happy to talk like it's mm. you know I want people to know how crazy like th- that sort of world is that we had no idea about cancer world or premie world or any of that like we and you know now we feel like we've got like a, a wealth of knowledge that we want to share with people and help others going through um and you know something similar like just yeah if it helps one person, then yeah, I'll be really, really happy. So mm, amazing. So, in terms of uh, your care, treatments, appointments, things of that nature, what is on the horizon? Sorry, I'm not sure how to ask that question. That's okay. <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, so, <laughs> basically, we're heading down to Brisbane in a month's time um, where I'll have another PET scan. So um, for those who don't know, a PET scan, basically they inject you with like a radioactive glucose and that attaches itself to any cancer cells in your body. Um, and then you basically lie in like a CT tunnel. It's kind of like an MRI basically. And they inject a dye through you. Um, so on on the results side of things, they'll basically see light up in your body Um if there's any cancer cells remaining in your body, basically. So the goal, obviously, is to have nothing there. Um, if the tumour is still there or it's only shrunk a little bit, um, there's a few options on the cards for me. I might be um, in line for hysterectomy or surgery um, or perhaps more treatment. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely not over this journey, but... Um, yeah, hoping for the best, terrified, but trying to stay positive. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just take it as it comes. Yeah. Sounds like you have a really good team looking after you. Yeah, brilliant. Like we we had so like a whole team of specialists. Um, and I forgot to mention, like even for Harry, we had like a professor. Um, we were referred to a maternal fetal unit, um, maternal fetal medicine unit. Sorry, and they basically had um, top of the top, like, looking after us for that, you know, paediatrician, um, top midwives, just it was phenomenal, the team. So, yeah, really lucky. Yeah, wonderful. So mm. you've been on such a big journey in such a small amount of time as well. Um, mm. you, what has this taught you about yourself? What have you learned about yourself? You must be incredibly proud. um yeah I have discovered that I've got like a huge inner resilience that I had no idea I had like I would say before this I was um a very sort of shy person like definitely like completely introverted not confident at all in myself um like fairly low self-esteem even um and having gone through something like this uh come out the other side I feel like I can handle anything. Like I feel just so much more resilient and um, like I just believe in myself now, which, um, yeah, you, you never want to have to go through anything like this to achieve that. But, yeah, it's been like really wonderful in that regard um, and also like just gives you so much more perspective on life, like just like the the little things we worry about are just nothing compared to um, what some people are going through. And, like, there were people way worse off than me. Like, I'd be in hospital rooms with really, really, like, 
people who just wanted to die. They were just that unwell. And, um, yeah, it just totally shifts your perspective um, being in just hospitals constantly. It's just there's just so many people out there that are just way worse off than um, most of us. And, yeah, just to live every day, um, be positive and <laughs> be happy. <laughs> as cliche as that sounds. <laughs> no, but it's true. And um, It's, yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, it's, it's just it's frustrating that it takes going through something like that to, um, yeah, to, I guess, realise that. But, yeah, that's how life works, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. thank you. I really, really appreciate you coming on to share your story and I think this is going to help a lot of people, um, even if mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the person themselves, a sister or a friend, because it's it's just really insightful and I've um I've I really appreciate you sharing such a a special and, and sacred story and you should be really proud of yourself. Um you're doing Thank you, an yeah. amazing job. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity and um yeah, it's been lovely. It's been lovely talking and yeah, if you have anyone reach out um to yourself after this who wants to connect with me feel free to send them my way thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of bloom birth stories if you enjoyed please subscribe and share with a friend and if you'd like to share your story reach out you can find me over on instagram at kate bloom see you next week beautiful